Okay, good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing today? Hashem. Okay, we're going to end the Parsha of Ayachi, which is also the end of the book of Bereshit, the end of the first of the five books of the Torah. Chazak, Chazak, that's today. So, we're going to read first how Yaakov has finished blessing each and every one of his 12 children. And now comes the moment where finally Yaakov is about to pass away. He commands his children, all of them saying, make sure I am buried in the land of my people, bury me in the cave, in the field of Ephron, etc., where Avram and Sarah, and Sarah bury there, where Yitzchak and Rivka bury there, and where I bury my wife Leah, and uh, bury me there. Although he had already made arrangements with Yosef, but now he just like, made it formal. He told the kids what his last wishes were. And he gave instructions how they should carry his coffin. He wanted that no non-Jews and no Egyptians should carry the coffin. Only his direct descendants should carry it. And he put them, he told them how they should carry it, three on each side, exactly as the Jewish people would later travel in the desert. We travel in the desert with the three tribes on each side of the Mishkan. That's how they carried the Aron, the coffin of, of Yaakov. Levi was told not to carry it because Levi would become the priests of Israel. And therefore, it was not fitting for them to carry the coffin of a dead person. And Yosef didn't carry because he was the viceroy of Egypt, the king. And therefore, his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who are the 12 tribes, they carried and so he had 12 sons and grandsons carrying the coffin of Aaron, of, sorry, of Yaakov. Then the Torah says, he finished commanding all of his children, all of these things. By Yesef Iraglav El the words are important here. He drew his feet up onto the bed, Vayigva, and he breathed his last. He expired. He was gathered unto his people. What's very important about this verse does not say that he died. He breathed his last breath. He was gathered unto his nation, unto his people, but it doesn't explicitly, explicitly say the word Vayamos that he died. So on this, the Talmud in Megillah tells us that Yaakov Avinu Lomais, that Jacob did not die. Ah, how could it be he didn't die? We're going to read now in the next minute. We're going to read how Yosef had him embalmed and how they mourned him and how they traveled into his, to Israel and how they buried him. You don't bury a living person. It's not a very smart thing to do, right? So obviously they buried him. The Torah tells us that they buried him. He wasn't alive. It's hard to imagine they buried a you know, living person. So the explanation, as the Talmud says so beautifully, is ma zara b'chayim afu b'chayim. As long as his children are alive, so too he is alive. And therefore, since each and every one of his 12 children was righteous and loyal to the path of Torah and Mitzvot, they were continuing in the ways that their father had taught them. Therefore, even though he breathed his last, and he physiologically was no longer breathing and functioning, he was no longer physically alive in a bodily sense, he was very much alive. Not only spiritually his legacy lived on, he was physically alive just to his children. But in the physical world, understand? So, yeah, his body was buried because his body stopped breathing and functioning, etc. But he continued to live through his children. When he passes, Yosef falls on the face of his father and he cries very much and he kisses his father. And then he commands his servants to embalm Yisrael. The embalming process was where they would put him in. Egypt was very into embalming, was mummifying. Yaakov was not mummified because we know that in Jewish law, Anything that prevents the body returning back to earth is forbidden by Jewish law. It's not allowed. So to be buried in a steel coffin, for example, or to be buried in a mausoleum where the body is not given the chance to decompose and come back to earth is 100% uh, 
absolutely forbidden by Jewish law because the body has to return back to its source and the earth where it came from. However, there are embalming processes that don't stop the body from returning to earth. They just, they just, the, uh, they, they delay it. So I actually once, I once buried someone who came from California and she passed in California. She's being buried here. I found out she passed it on a Thursday. It was Friday. The funeral's going to be the next week. So I, I don't know if it's the law. That's where they do it. But they embalm the person before they ship them for travel. So I freaked out. I didn't know what embalming, how they do it. I, I had to go do some research, call some rabbis. So they're just they're injecting a dye into the body. kind of like freezes the body. But not a permanent freezing of the body. doesn't uh, uh, decay. It just stops for a week or so. Uh, the body slows down the process of decay. So it doesn't start to smell during travel. So that's okay. That's so that's not a problem. So they did over here with Yosef's with Yaakov's body is a according to some commentaries anyway, they put him into like spices and salts and different things that preserve food. In this case, preserve the body. And after he's, he he soaked in this salt and spices and whatever for forty days, that gave his body a certain like it was like like when you smell like anything that's salted, right? It stays for a long time. That's how his body was able to stay fresh during the 30 days of mourning that will come afterwards, and then during the lengthy journey from Egypt to Israel. So they embalm him, and they, they slow down the, the process of his body de decaying. After that, there's a 30-day mourning period in Egypt, because Yaakov was the one that had stopped the plague, the, the plague, the famine. Since Yaakov was the one that had stopped the famine by causing the Nile to go up, so the entire Egyptian society came to pay their respect and to mourn the passing of this very holy person that had saved their country. So he laid in state, so to say, for 30 days, and everyone came to mourn him and to, to eulogize him, etc. After the 70 days of 40 of embalming and 30 of mourning, then Yosef comes formally before the house of Pharaoh, and he says, and I found favor in your eyes, and my father made me swear. What was the oath? That I bury him in the land of Israel where his family is buried in an ancestral plot, and Pharaoh says to Yosef, you could do for your father as he made you swear. As he made you swear. The only reason, don't tell you, the only reason why Pharaoh was allowing Yaakov's body to be taken out of Egypt is because Yosef had sworn to his father to do so. And Pharaoh did not want Yosef to break his promises. Because if Yosef would break his oath to his father not to bury him in Israel, then Yosef would also break his oath to Pharaoh not to tell anyone that he, Yosef, spoke more languages than Pharaoh did. So he said, okay, fine, keep your oath. You can go to Israel. So Yosef went up to bury his father, and with him went up all of the, the servants of Pharaoh, all of the advisors, all of the courtiers, the elders of his court, the elders of Egypt, like a big delegation, a large, large group, followed, the next verse, followed all of Joseph's household, his brothers, his father's household, only the small children and the flock and the cattle remained behind in Goshen. In addition, there were chariots and horsemen that went just for the honor. Like when you have a, today a funeral, they have like a, a police escort or whatever. It's for the honor and the respect. So Yaakov went with a whole police escort, chariots, horsemen, a whole delegation to give the honor and respect. They come now to the land of Canaan and they come to a place called Goren Ha'atad. Goran Ata was a threshing floor. And there, the people that were in Canaan heard that a large, large group was coming from Egypt. 
with horses and chariots, and they didn't know what was going on. So what do they think? War. war. So they were really gathered by this big valley. This especially was a good place for war because I guess it's like a height advantage, big valley, open field. You can see the enemy. And they gathered by Gora and Ha'atat to come and fight against the Jewish people that are coming from Egypt. But then when they see the coffin of Yaakov and they see the great lamentation and all that, they come and they realize that war. And they knew who Yaakov was. So they take off their crowns and they adorn it on the coffin of Yaakov. And there in this Gora and Ha'atat, there's a seven-day mourning period in the land of Israel with the people of Canaan. And therefore, they changed the name from Goran Ha'ata to Evo Mitzrayim, which means the mourning of Egypt, because of the great, right beyond the Jordan River, because of the great mourning that took place over here from the, the Egyptian, the elders of Egypt and the advisors of Egypt, that are all mourning the passing of Yaakov. Okay? Finally, they bring him all the way up into the land of Canaan, into Hebron. They're about to bury him in What happens? Told you the story already. Along comes Esau. And Esau says, not so fast. Not for my dead body. <laughs> Literally, pun intended. He said, not so fast. This is this last spot. It's called Kiryat Ha'arba because there's four uh, sets of graves. And Adam and Chav have one. Avram and Yisar have one. Yitzchak and Rivka have one. So Yaakov got Yitzchak's two children to each inherit one. So Yaakov got one in which he buried Leah. And I get one, which is going to be for me. I want to be buried next to Leah. Which, by the way, if you remember, the Leah used to cry a lot because she was worried that she would end up being married and spending her life together with Esau. That destiny was still there. And up until this moment, Esau still planned that even if he wasn't able to marry Leah and to live with Leah, that at least he should lie with her in, in, in the grave, be buried next to her. And so he's fighting for the spot next to Leah. They would still be together in the afterworld. The brothers say, no, what do you mean? Yaakov told us clearly that he bought it from you. Yaakov, before he left, he gave a mound of gold and silver, the reverse of a grave, and he bought, with the money he made in, outside of Israel, he bought the rice of the grave. So show me the document. And they had forgotten the document in Egypt. So Naftali, we mentioned yesterday, Naftali was a very, very fast, like a deer, who ran very quickly. So they sent him to go bring the good news, to bring the documentation to prove that the, the plot was theirs. In the meantime, Chushim, the son of Don, who was mute and deaf, couldn't understand what was going on. Someone pointed out that Esav is blocking. He took a stick. He whacked off the head of Esav. Esav's head, as we discussed, rolled into the grave where Yitzchak was. His body was buried in the orchard outside. And there they bury Yaakov in the grave of Machpelah. Okay. Now, on the way back from Egypt... No, tell me finish one verse. I'll take a question. Now, on the way back from Egypt, the Torah says... By Yashav Yosef Mitzrayma, Yosef returned him and his brothers and all the ones one with him after burying his father. Meaning when they went to Egypt, Torah said, who went first? The elders of Egypt, the wise guys, uh, the, the, the courtyard. And then the next verse says that Yosef and his brothers went. Because the Egyptians went before them. But after they saw the honor that the people in Canaan gave to Yaakov when they buried him over there, they gave a whole new respect for Yosef and his family and they let them go first. Yeah, question will go to the death of Yosef. Yes. I was just wondering, um, you mentioned the, the role of Binyam during the funeral. He didn't have, no. Uh, he was so attached after all to... He was attached. All the kids were attached. But he didn't have, it, it doesn't say anybody he had a specific role more than anyone else. He was like the brothers. All the brothers, yeah. 
Why would they want to preserve? Have a good day, Jojo. Have a good day. Yeah. Why would they need? Actually, why would they need to preserve Apple's body if it's tzaddik? If they didn't decompose? That's a good question. Um, is that the question? We know that tzaddik doesn't decompose. If tzaddik is pure, the body stays. The, the, the whole reason for decomposing is as a cleansing of physical indulgence, physical pleasure. Could be that they didn't know this idea that tzaddik don't, don't expire, or it could be that it was part of the Egyptian culture. Egyptian like Egyptians don't know that. Egyptians did it. In Egypt, any man of importance was embalmed. To not embalm him would be like a disgrace, be the case like a beggar. You know what I'm saying? Okay, it's a good question. Let's go further. Yeah, what? They don't Yeah, that's something else. Let me know. let's finish and then we'll take the question. Yes? <laughs> okay, now the brothers come back to uh, back to Egypt, and there Yosef is no longer as friendly with his brothers as he was in the past. And the brothers begin to get nervous, and they're afraid that maybe the fact that Yosef didn't get revenge and punish them for what they had done to uh, had done anything to them in the past, maybe that was because Yaakov was still alive. So because Yaakov was alive, Yosef had been like biding his time, waiting for his father to pass. And now that his father was gone, now he's going to finally get back at them for what they had done to him by selling him as a slave. So they send messengers who are the sons of Bilhah who was close to Yosef, and they came and they made up a story. And they said that your father commanded us before his death to say as follows to Yosef, please forgive the sin of your brothers and their terrible uh, thing that they have done. Because they have treated you harshly, they've done bad upon you. Please forgive them for the crime that they have done. And then the brothers themselves came before Yosef after the messengers came, and they fell before his feet, and they said, we are to you, to slaves. Please, you know, uh, be kind to us. Okay? Now, this never happened. This never happened because Yaakov, well, I'll tell you something interesting. So did Yaakov know that Yosef had been sold by his brothers as a slave? Did the brothers ever tell Yaakov what happened to Yosef? So simply, on a very simple level, you have to assume that, ya- that Yaakov found out, right? Like, like they didn't ask like what happened. Just Yosef, Yaakov never ever suspected that Yosef had any hatred in his heart. Yaakov saw how Yosef was so loving to uh, the brothers and took care of them and fed them and sustained them. And therefore he didn't assume that they would, God forbid, that he had hatred in his heart. However, there's a, I remember learning in the Medrash that Yosef never allowed himself to be in private with his father. Why? Because he was afraid that if he would be in private with his father, just the two of them alone, his father would ask him, what happened when they sold you? What happened when you disappeared? And in order to avoid having to try and to say about his brothers or whatever, or to have to avoid saying, he avoided ever being in a situation where his father would be alone in private, so the father had the opportunity to ask him. And therefore, Yosef never told his father what happened. Yeah. And his father never found out what happened. His father never had that chance to ask, and Yosef never said. In that case, his father never knew that the brother of Yosef just thought, like, I don't know, he thought. Anyway, it's a very interesting thing to think that so many years after, 17 years after Yosef and his father reunited, that his father never found out what happened 22 years earlier. Okay, anyway, so Yosef responds to his brothers and he says, Al-tira'u, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Here you see beautiful words, beautiful words. Ki al-kibani, am I instead of God? You plan to do upon to me evil. You, not that your intentions were bad. 
when you sold me, you had absolute intention to do evil. However, Elohim, God planned for it to be good in order to make this day to come that I would give sustenance and food to many, many people, to the whole world, to try, really to transform the world, etc. So even though you are t- 10 sons, 10 brothers, and you had evil intentions to do against me, but at the end of the day, you can't do anything without Hashem's you know, uh, approval. So you plan to do evil, but Hashem made it to do good. Now can I, one person, go against 10 of you and do evil against you? God doesn't want it. How could I do that? Beautiful words. If it's the theme of the theme of Yosef, the narrative of Yosef, you had an evil intention, but I know that you have no control over me. The only one that has control over me is God. So therefore, I have no hard feelings. Why would I punish you? I can't. Whatever happened, happened for the good. Don't be afraid. He repeats them a second time. I will sustain you and your children, and I will give you everything that you need. And he comforted them. He spoke to their heart make them feel reassured that he would not hurt them. Anyway, Yosef lived for 110 years. After 110 years, he merits to see three generations born on his lap. He merits to see the son of Menashe, who is Machir, having children on his lap. So he gets three, three generations born, and he lives a beautiful life. And before he dies, he says to his brothers, God will surely remember you. Pakod Yifkod are important words. Those are the exact words of redemption that Moshe Rabbeinu will hear from God at the burning bush to tell the Jewish people. Pakod Yifkod will surely remember you and he will bring you up from this land to the, to the land that he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he made them swear to him that an oath to their descendants that when they would finally leave Egypt, they will bring his bones up from Egypt in, to be buried in the land of Israel as well. Yamas Yosef and Yosef died at the age of 110 years old. They embalmed him and they placed him by Yisem by Aaron. They placed him into an, a coffin in Egypt. Where was the coffin placed? In the Nile River. They put him into a steel coffin, a weighted, heavy coffin, and then they put him into the Nile River where he'd be hidden, and no one could ever take him out. They knew about the, the Egyptians knew about the oath made to his brothers. So they put him to the Nile River in a way that they they thought the brothers would never be, never be able to take him out of Egypt and he would remain in Egypt for the rest of time. Chazak, chazak, v'nis chazek. That's in the parasha. And of course, there's a message in the chazak, chazak. You say, they placed Yosef in a, in a coffin in Egypt. Chazak, chazak. It's like a little like you know, contradictory. You think like a, a happier message. And really, this is already the beginning of the exile. From when Yosef dies, that's it. That's the... Uh, they wanted to keep him buried in Egypt forever. They, the Egyptians, so they knew that if they were burying the regular piece of in a regular pyramid or regular grave, when the Jews would leave Egypt one day, they could take him out. They could dig him up. If we bury him in the Nile, how are they going to get him out of the Nile? But, but Moshe took his bones with him when he when he finally left. Uh, Moshe did a miracle, and Moshe took his bones out. When we get to the story, it's not too far away. I'll share with you the whole story then. There was an oath. There was an oath to the brothers. They put him in the Nile. The Nile was where they wanted to bury him. And your chazak chazak means that Hashem is saying, even though we're in exile, knowing that Yosef is with us, that alone is a sense of chazak chazak, a sense of encouragement in a difficult time. Yes. Okay.